Good day, tea and listeners. Today I discuss a case that was heard in the Durban High Court on the 13th of November 2017 and delivered on the 21st of September 2020. The case, Olive Marketing CC versus Eden Crescent Shareblock Limited, case number 2629-17. Hector, good day. It's great to join you on Legal Ease for a fresh round of case studies in 2021. These case analyses are, of course, aimed primarily at our law students, but I know many lay people also enjoy legal matters. I see we're discussing quite a complicated matter this week. What is the background of this case? The plaintiff, Olive Marketing, is the registered owner of ERF 12424 Durban. The plaintiff purchased the property from the second defendant, Etiquini Municipality, in terms of an agreement of sale dated the 22nd of September 2008, which recorded that the property has the benefit of a parking servitude. The title deed of the property, 034297-09, records that the property is held with the benefit of a parking servitude over ARF 11496 Durban, as created in the National Deed of Servitude, K173-97S. So, the background is a property transaction. Please can you provide the facts? The first defendant, Eden Crescent Shareblock Limited, owns out of 11496 Durban. The property which adjourns the plaintiff property is servient tenement in respect of servitude. So, the one owner has to cross the other owner's property in order to gain entry and park. The first defendant acquired the leasehold right and purchased of its property from the second defendant, Etiquini Municipality, in terms of a written agreement of sale concluded on the 28th of July 1994. A material term of the agreement was that a parking servitude for 250 vehicles would be created over the first defendant's property in favour of the plaintiff property and registered by notorial deed of servitude simultaneously with the registration of transfer of the property. The agreement also recorded that the property was to be developed in accordance with the relevant municipal bylaws and town planning scheme regulation and would only be used for the purpose defined in Section 4C of the Housing Development Schemes of Retired Persons Act. The first defendant, therefore, was obliged to provide parking base for its residents in compliance with town planning scheme regulation and 250 parking bays under the servitude used by the plaintiff property. What was central to the dispute? From about 2004, the first defendant refused to comply with the plaintiff's attempt to enforce the servitude and access to the parking or to make parking available to Skating Enterprises Incorporated, which held the lease over the property of the plaintiff. In 2005, the first defendant disputed the validity of the deed servitude. The plaintiff and second defendant, Etiquini Municipality, persisted that the deed of servitude was valid and that the first defendant was obliged to create additional parking space on its property to provide 250 parking bays for the plaintiff's use. The first defendant refused and litigation started. What order was sought by the plaintiff? On the 20th of March 2010, 
the plaintiff filed an application in the High Court in order to compel the defendant to comply with the agreement. The court referred the matter for oral evidence and trial, hence an action. And also the second defendant, Etiquinis Municipality, to be joined as an interested party. The plaintiff delivered an amended declaration by means of a notice and a claim for damages against the first defendant. The plaintiff sought an order declaring that the parking servitude over the first defendant's property valid and enforceable, directing the first defendant to make available 250 parkings for vehicles on its property for exclusive use for the plaintiff's property and to pay the plaintiff damages from 2010 for the amount of 6680000 together with interest. And is there an alternate order sought? The plaintiff's claim against the second defendant, Etiquin Municipality, is in the alternative to the claim of the first defendant and conditional upon the court finding that there exists no valid parking servitude over the first defendant's property. Such a finding will trigger a breach of contract between the plaintiff and the second defendant and the plaintiff's claim for damages in the total amount of 72,751,000 against the second defendant, Etiquini Municipality, who previously sold the property to the plaintiff with the right of servitude. What was the first defendant's response to the relief sought by the plaintiff? The first defendant opposed the relief sought and denies that the notorial deed of servitude constitutes or established a servitude and or that the deed was validly registered. The first defendant also denied that the deed of servitude conveyed any right with respect to its property because no servitude diagram demarcating the survey area was attached to the deed of servitude, rendering the servitude invalid by virtue of Regulation 73.2 of Section 10 of the Deed Registry Act 47 of 1937. The deed sought to convey rights which would be in conflict with the Town Planning Scheme SS 7 of 4A of the Act, the Town Planning Act, which provide that the first defendant to provide a minimum of 135 parking bays for its own residence, as there were only 311 parking bays available on the property. So complying with the order sought would place the first defendant in breach of town planning regulations. The deed of servitude was registered after the transfer of the defendant's property, which amounted to an alienation of immovable property as contemplated in Section 81C of the Share Block Controls Act 59 of 1980, which require special resolution for shareholders which did not take place. The grant of the servitude constituted alienation of land as contemplated in the provisions of S4B of the Act, which requires consent of at least 75% of the holders of the right of the occupied development. The terms in the deed were vague and inadequate to describe the rights. And what was the second defendant's response, that is, Etiquini Municipality? The second defendant raised two special pleas. The first special plea is, the plaintiff's claim has been extinguished by prescription, so it had lapsed. In the alternative, the second defendant pleads that clause 8.1 of the sale agreement contains a footstool clause, 
which excludes them from any liability to the plaintiff by reason of all defects in the property, whether patent or latent. Hector, could you outline for us the requirements for a civil claim for damages in this case, according to the court? The owner of the dominant tenement that holds the right may claim damages from the party that has infringed with its right under the servitude, if it can satisfy the normal requirements of an action under delict. A delict is defined as an act of a person that is wrongful and culpable and causes harm to another. There are five elements that need to be established. Act, wrongfulness, fault, causation and harm before the conduct complained of may be classified as a delict. I think it will be useful if you can expand on these elements. It is common cause that the first defendant had refused to give the plaintiff access to the parking. So the element of an act was established as the first requirement, but it must have infringed the legal protected interests that are determined by facts. For liability to follow, harm must be caused in a wrongful manner. An act is wrongful when it violates the rights of another or when it is in breach of a legal duty. The wrongfulness inquiry focuses on whether or not the plaintiff's interest is entitled to protection from the first defendant's conduct. The legal causation inquiry, in contrast, focuses on the limitation of loss followed from the wrongful conduct. The registered servitude is a limited right in property, which has given the plaintiff the right to parking on the first defendant's property, which is entitled to protection from the first defendant's obstructive conduct. The failure to recognize this right would undermine the nature of property rights as a whole because the registration of title and rights to property is the cornerstone which underpins constitutionality entrenched in the right to property. In terms of section 25 of the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa 1996. The defendant's refusal to allow the plaintiff the right to access parking on his property is a violation of the plaintiff's right under the servitude and a breach of its own legal duty to provide the parking, which is not in conflict with the requirement that a servitude should not impose a positive obligation. Fault or culpability is the subjective element of delict and refers to the legal blameworthiness or the reprehensible state of mind of someone who has acted wrongfully. The two forms of culpability are intention and negligence. For a claim to patrimonial damage to succeed, negligence is sufficient. A person acts intentionally if his will is directed as a result which he causes whilst conscious of the wrongfulness of his conduct. A person acts negligently if he does not act as a reasonable person in his or her position would act. The defendant's conduct is reprehensible and deliberate as he refuses to permit the plaintiff access to the parking on its property whilst utilizing the parking area, not just for parking for his residence, but also for generating income for his own benefit and therefore the necessity to intend to act wrongfully. What was the court's reasoning for the judgment? The first defendant was aware of the development undertaken by the plaintiff on its property which would of necessity require the use of the parking base by the users of the facility on the plaintiff's property. It was also aware that there was very limited parking 
in the vicinity, which is why there was a potential market for the parking base. Under those circumstances, it would have been reasonably foreseen that the lack of parking would deter prospect users of the plaintiff's property, thereby resulting in patrimonial loss to the plaintiff. The constraint suffered by the plaintiff was due to the first defendant's actions. The plaintiff and owner, Mr. Rihanna, met with the directors of the first defendant to discuss the parking prior to the registration of transfer and through subsequent correspondence. However, the first defendant refused to permit any parking unless the plaintiff renounced its right under servitude. The judge said, and I quote, I am satisfied on a balance of probabilities that the plaintiff has established factual causation by demonstrating that he has suffered economic loss through diminished rentals because of withholding access to parking. In my view, it is apparent that the problem caused by the lack of parking is as a result of the first defendant's refusal to comply with his servitude. It would have had direct adverse impact on the rental that the plaintiff could charge. The servitude was intended to enhance the current usefulness and future development of the dominant land. The plaintiff was deprived of the benefit of the parking that would have enhanced the value of the facility in its convention centre and consequently could have commanded a higher rental. Hector, in closing, what was the order of the court and what can we take away from this case? The following order is issued. It is declared that Deed K173-97, registered in the KwaZulu-Natal Deeds Registry on the 18th of February 1997, is valid. The first defendant is ordered to make available on ARF 11496 Durban parking base for at least 250 motor vehicles for the exclusive use of the patrons of ARF 12424 Durban. The plaintiff's claim for damages succeeds. The first defendant must pay the costs of the action, including reserve costs. The message to take away from the said case is the following. When prospective buyers of property intend entering into an agreement, or even prior to this, during the negotiation period, they should inquire as much as possible about the registered deed. It is particularly prevalent in the farming and smallholding communities where servitudes occur as a result of separations and consolidations of land. Some properties in the metropolitan areas, in particular those in panhandles, are also a feature which could give an indication to servitude right. The key is to make sure that what the seller stipulates in the offer to purchase is also reflected in the deed. Should there be any discrepancies, sort it out as soon as possible in order to avoid prescription which could extinguish your remedy. Make use of a conveyancer to ensure that there are no previous agreements that have not been complied with. It would be of great advantage in order to avoid this type of litigation years down the line. Until next time, listeners, keep well and have a good day.